How y'all doing? How's the right side doing? Well, left side, depending. My right. You're right. How's the left side doing? Because it's a little, like, I'm worried, like, the ship's going to capsize. We're good. I don't know. It's a little, I don't know. It's fine, because I know after the prelude, we'll look up, like we always do, and there'll be 20 more people in here. It's crazy. Well, good morning. Welcome to 7th Street Christian Church. We're glad that you're here. If you have a moment, fill out um, your attendance with the pew pads. That's always helpful for us. We like to follow up with, with our friends. Um, several announcements this morning. Not several, actually. Just a handful. One, we're glad that um, our own Jamie Babzak is preaching. So, yay! She looked as though, really, I am? I didn't know this. You're, you're, you're good. You're good. No. Um, so she is, all summer we've been preaching on the parables. She is <clears throat> preaching on our last parable, the parable of the banquet, which is also jump-starting our next sermon series on hospitality. So starting next week, I'll be preaching the next three weeks uh, on a series, continuing a series on hospitality. So, uh, Jamie, thank you so much, and I can't wait to hear you. I'm excited. A uh, couple other announcements. Um, outreach has got a, a couple of different projects going on, like they always do, because they're amazing. The call to action this month, uh, each month we've been focusing on um, uh, something to bring. Um, you can always bring food. You can always bring lots of different things, but we're focusing it each month. And this month is um, on school supplies for Carver Elementary. So if you have any questions about what is needed there, there's um, in the welcome booth, there's actually a sheet of paper you can pick up and um, take home with you. And if you're out and about and want to pick up a few extra school supplies for Carver, you can bring them back. And Oh, and it's tax-free weekend. Oh, awesome. Um, also, Bright Beginnings is happening August 15th. What that is is a program where uh, you get paired with a student and you meet at... Um, are they meeting at Target? Uh, White Oak. Oh, was it the fourth? I'm sorry. I wrote it down wrong. August, I think you're right. August 14th, Tuesday. And, um, but you get paired with the student and you get to take them shopping. Um, and it's taken care of, right? Like you don't pay for it. It's already, yeah. But you just get to bond with the, a child so that they can look really awesome on their first day back to school because I remember being really stressed out, picking out what perfect outfit am I going to wear on the first day back so I look really awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Also, last call for uh, Faith Night at the Flying Squirrels game. That is this Thursday. Um, we have a nice group of people going. It is not too late. Tickets are $10 a piece or $25 max for families. Um, just sign up in the, in the Narthex again. I'm going to purchase those tickets tomorrow and... Um, so we'll have fun. And I'll email everyone about, like, I think it probably makes sense to carpool or if we want. You can meet there. That's fine. But I'll send an email out about other parking options. So um, I think that's really about it. Yeah. I hear Stone panting up there. Yeah. Is he okay? Yeah. Okay. I know he is. I know he's in good hands. So, y'all have asked about Stone. Stone's illness is progressing. Um, I don't know how much longer he will be around, but it's very obvious that he's his congestive heart failure is progressing pretty rapidly. 
I've seen a big slowdown in his energy level. On a walk, coupled, was that Thursday, Jamie? He collapsed on his walk. I was really, I was like, okay, this is it, this is it, all right. So, <laughs> you know, it's okay. We're gonna have a celebration probably in the next couple weeks for him. And um, but uh, yeah, so give y'all, cause y'all ask. So, and I know he's loved by everyone here. So, uh, without further ado, let us prepare our hearts to worship God. Please stand if, as you are able and join me in the call to worship followed by the opening hymn. Come, the banquet of hope and grace is ready. We come on your invitation, seeking to be fed. Feed on the love of God. We come on your invitation, needing peace. Feed on God's gracious mercy. We come on your invitation, longing for forgiveness. All are welcome at the banquet. You are invited, children of God. Alleluia. Praise be to God.
Let us join in the confession. God of hope, we confess to you that our actions do not always align with the actions of Christ. Too often we redirect our eyes when we see hunger and need. We close our ears to the cries of the poor and the oppressed. We believe that what we don't hear doesn't exist, and we refuse to let our minds be opened to the harsh realities of our world. We are not frequently moved to let our hearts overflow with love and compassion. We fall short, dear God, but we admit our shortcomings in order to live and love more faithfully. Forgive us, restore us, renew us, and equip us. Embolden us to be the hands, feet, and heart of Christ, living vessels of your peace and justice here on earth. In Christ's name we pray, amen. God's steadfast love endures forever. Nothing can keep us from the overflowing cup of grace. Praise be to God. Amen. At peace with God, let us now offer the peace of Christ to one another. You may be seated.
is from Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. With the Lord at my, on my side, I do not fear. What can mortals do to me? The Lord is on my side to help me, and I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in mortals. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me in the name of the Lord, and I cut them off. They surrounded me and surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. The word of the Lord. Our parable today comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 14, starting at verse 15. It is the parable of the great dinner. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. This is the word of the Lord. If you know this tune, 
I'm going to invite you to sing it with me. I bet you didn't expect Miley Cyrus music to show up in worship today. But nonetheless, here we go. Darren, I want to hear you loud and clear up top. I hopped off the plane at LAX with my dream and a cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame excess. Am I gonna fit in? Jumped in the cab, here I am for the first time. Look to my right and I see the Hollywood sign. This is all so crazy. Everybody seems so famous. We're gonna skip to the chorus. So I put my hands up to play in my song. I know I'm gonna be okay. It's a party in the USA, yeah. It's a party in the USA. There you go, I heard that USA there, thank you. Whew. I'm done, that's all. that's all I've got. I sing that song because when I was a senior in college, I had the opportunity to travel to Southern California for a three week seminar. Messiah College, where I attended, has a shortened January term with the option of going on a cross-cultural. When reading about the cross-cultural experience, the description noted that students would engage in dialogue about urban reform and participate in service learning in the heart of Los Angeles. I said, sign me up. Warm weather for three weeks during a Pennsylvania winter? I'm all in. I traveled with the expectation that my experience would mirror a lot of what Miley Cyrus references in her song. A land of fame in excess, cabs, Hollywood signs, everybody seems so famous. Her lyrics focus on big dreams and bright lights, the Hollywood sign and celebrity sightings. And my expectations focused a lot on just one aspect of life in LA, the Hollywood Boulevard, the Sunset Boulevard aspect, the affluent part of Los Angeles, the part where you can journey down the walk of fame and feel as though you're in a movie or you're the star musician just waiting for it to be picked up by a talent agent. But my trip to Southern California didn't really meet my original expectation. We spent the majority of our time in a place called Skid Row. It's a 54 block area in downtown Los Angeles. And try and picture it with me. Imagine a line outside of Best Buy or Target on Black Friday. People lined up side by side with tents or tarps, waiting for the opening of a store. You have very little personal space and you're in extremely uncomfortable conditions to sit in, but much less sleep in. People would wait in the rain or in the shine, in high temperatures or low temperatures. And this is what the blocks of Skid Row looked like to me, overcrowded sidewalks on Black Friday. But there are several huge differences. The sidewalks in Skid Row aren't as clean as the one outside of a big retail store. 
There's trash, cigarettes, needles from drug use, broken bottles from alcohol covering the pavement. There's animal and human waste at every turn. And there's this strong odor that fills the streets that is a combination of body odor, of alcohol, and of smoke. And finally, the people on the sidewalks in their tents, they're not waiting for a store to open. It wasn't Black Friday when I was there. The sidewalk is their home. It's their bedroom and it's their living room. It's their bathroom. And it's their dining room and kitchen if they're lucky enough to have food that day. Instead of the walk of fame, I experienced what many would call the walk of shame. Instead of mansions, there were tents and ragged tarps. Instead of bright lights, there were small lighters only used for cigarettes and drugs. And instead of affluence, we came eye to eye with extreme poverty. But hospitality. This unmet expectation in Los Angeles turned into an opportunity for us to embody Christ's hospitality. A chance not to dwell on the missed experiences of meeting celebrities or seeing the Hollywood sign, but a moment to serve others who wouldn't normally be included in the spotlight or in the fame. An opportunity to engage in conversation, in relationship with people who have their own stories that they want to be heard. A chance to share food and water where food and water are scarce. And a moment to fellowship with those in society that are deemed unworthy. I can only imagine that my original expectations of Southern California were similar to the expectations of the banquet host from today's passage. He expected a lot of guests for his party. He probably invited friends and relatives, people who were a bit more elite in the society of that time. And he expected it to be a great banquet, something worthy of recognition, something impressive. This party would give him a boost not only in confidence, but also in status. It would increase his notability in society. But his banquet didn't meet his expectation. His honored guests disappoint him by rejecting the invitation. I bought some land, can't make it. I bought some oxen, can't make it. I just got married, can't make it. And while those are some pretty lame excuses, they added insult to injury because he had already prepared the food and set the tables. I would be disappointed and angry too if I had just prepared a great party and nobody came. I even get upset when I prepare dinner for a roommate or friends and they come back saying, oh sorry, I already ate. Or, oh sorry, I made other plans tonight. I put time and effort, money, blood, sweat, probably tears into this meal and you made other plans? 
Not one of us wants to feel unappreciated. Not one of us wants to be taken for granted. And not one of us enjoys disappointment. And honestly, my first reaction would probably be to shut the party down. I would grab dinner for myself and go shut away in my bedroom with the door locked. I might go to Twitter or to Facebook and tell the world that I feel let down, that I am frustrated. I would probably throw away all the plans that were made and cop an attitude with friends or people that were trying to comfort me. I would probably find a place just to sulk in the disappointment because not one of us wants to feel unappreciated, not one of us wants to be taken for granted, and not one of us enjoys disappointment. But the host of the banquet didn't do that. He didn't just cancel the party. He could have just given up and sulked in disappointment, but he didn't. He turned his disappointment, his unmet expectation, into an opportunity to embody Christ's hospitality. A chance not to dwell on the absence of those originally invited, but to serve others who wouldn't have normally been included in such an event. And there was still room at the party, and so he extended the invitation. He stretched out his hand even further to those who were marginalized, to those outcasted, to those isolated in his community. He provided food and water to those who were hungry. He offered fellowship to those whose society deemed unworthy. And he welcomed people into his home that he didn't even know. I'd like you to pause for a moment and think of a time when you were on the receiving end of generous hospitality. Someone welcomed you into their presence, their space, maybe with a warm embrace, like a hug or a firm handshake. They called you by name. Maybe it was a high five or a simple look in the eye with like a little head nod that acknowledged that you were there. Maybe someone shared their last cookie with you at the lunch table. Or maybe someone offered you their seat on the bus. Maybe someone invited you to their home for a meal or asked you to join them and their friends at a nearby concert. Remember that feeling of being welcomed. As people who can recall a moment when we've received and experienced Christ's hospitality, we're called to extend the same type of gracious hospitality to others. In the context of this story, that hospitality extended to the unclean, the unworthy, the outcasted. And when I stood on Skid Row, I stood with a man and offered him a hot dog and a bottle of water. And society would say he is unworthy because his pants were torn, his breath smelled of alcohol, and the color of his shirt told me that he was part of a certain gang but his name is George. And what I'll remember about George is that he's a father to two daughters about the age of my sister and I. And when I spoke to a young girl nearby who was definitely right around my age, maybe 24 or 25, 
society would say that she is unworthy. She was obviously pregnant, she smoked cigarettes in my presence, and lived in a tent on the street. But her name is Ashley. And what I'll remember most about our encounter is the hug that we shared as we parted ways. God claims that we are all worthy. God says that we all have value, and God knows us by our names, not our successes or our failures, not our level of education or our income, not our habits or our hang-ups. And God invites all of us to dine at God's great banquet because all are worthy of an invitation. Each child of God is deserving of a hospitable welcome, a warm embrace in the home of the body of Christ. It is in God's presence that we are challenged to experience community beyond what is comfortable. And it's by Christ's example that we are called to receive hospitality with gratitude and then to extend hospitality to strangers. The host of the banquet in the parable set an expectation for his party. But God had different intentions. And God often has different intentions than the ones we might be able to see. God guides and encourages us to see beyond our own expectations and to embrace new chances for a relationship, for extravagant inclusion, and for radical hospitality. God empowers us to shout the worth of others. God emboldens us to name and claim the value of our siblings in Christ. And God calls us to learn the names of our neighbors. When we do, we are making room at God's table where God has already set a place. We are affirming the inclusion of the table where God has already said that all are welcome. We are saying, come, share, be with me, with us at this table of grace. May we be so bold in our humble receiving and in our generous sharing of hospitality. Amen.
may be seated. We welcome Jamie Lynn Haskins, actually Reverend Jamie Lynn Haskins, <laughs> to 7th Street Christian Church. Um, Jamie is a friend of mine um, and uh, is the new chaplain, one of the new chaplains at the University of Richmond, um, chaplain of for spiritual, for spiritual life. life. I was about to say chaplain of hospitality because of your sermon, <laughs> but that too, <laughs> anyway. Um, but we welcome you, Jamie Lynn, um, to 7th Street Christian Church. And so um, just ask for you to affirm your faith that Jesus is the Christ. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, let us in, uh, welcome Jamie Lynn by turning to page 341 and together reading, welcoming a new, name, a new member. Reaffirming our own faith in Jesus the Christ, we gladly welcome you into this community of faith, enfolding you with our love and committing ourselves to your care. In the power of God's Spirit, let us mutually encourage each other to trust God and strengthen one another to serve others, that Christ's church may in all things stand faithful. Welcome. Thank you. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. You, in your harshness, dismissing, judging, condemning, you, in your mercy, seeking, willing, hoping, wishing, reaching, weeping. You, in your harshness and in your mercy, you puzzle us. You bewilder us. You keep us off balance. You, as you are, perhaps because of our fickleness, drive you to extremes, press you to craziness, impel you against your better self. And we, in our fickleness, our waywardness, our hard-heartedness, we imagine we are in response But we may be at the outset setting you into vertigo. We in our empty failure, you in bewilderment. We waiting for your better self. You here and there. Past vertigo. 
back in balance, calling and waiting, softly and tenderly, wishing us home with you, we yearning to hear your call, afraid to hear because it means return through the midst of the harshness, through the risk of mercy, in a journey we fear and crave and want and dread and pledge and renege, that we start and hesitate in all our double-mindedness. So reach us with your single-mindedness. Give us new single hearts of flesh that pulse with praise and trust and obedience. with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength toward you, then our true selves, we pray in the single-minded name of Jesus. Whatever your task, do it wholeheartedly as to God. In teaching, give all you have. In speaking, stir to the depths. In giving, share liberally. In helping, do so cheerfully. Contribute to the needs of God's people and practice hospitality. Let us bring forth our tithes and offerings.
Let's pray. As joint workers with you, O God, we offer you the fruits of our labor, that you may bless them for your service and us in our calling. Amen. You may be seated. For our communion meditation this morning, I invite you to reflect upon the words of poet Joy Harjo. The world begins at a kitchen table. No matter what, we must eat to live. The gifts of earth are brought and prepared and set on table. So it has been since creation, and so it will go on. We chase chickens or dogs away from it, babies' teeth at the corners. They scrape their knees under it. It is here that children are given instructions on what it means to be human. We make men at it. We make women. At this table, we gossip, we recall enemies and the ghosts of lovers. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children. They laugh with us at our poor falling down selves and as we put ourselves back together once again at the table. This table has been a house in the rain or an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at this table. It is a place to hide in the shadow of terror, a place to celebrate the terrible victory. We have given birth on this table and have prepared our parents for burial here. At this table, we sing with joy, with sorrow, we pray of suffering and remorse, and we give thanks. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing and crying and eating of the last sweet.
As we gather around this table, we remember the story that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, This bread is like my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and poured it out and blessed it and gave it to them and said, The wine in this cup is like the blood in my veins poured out to give you new life. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we come to this table to express our common needs, desires, and strengths. Gather us in. You have invited us as guests to your feast. Let us not say no. Help us use our strengths to remove the obstacles and busyness of our daily lives and come to this table. When we are at the table, let our needs help us understand the love you have for us and the power of that love to calm us and transform us. Show us, Lord, how to connect to this power of love and carry it into our week to share with others. Make disciples of us, Lord, just as you did the original 12, we who share this feast of yours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Faithful and forgiving God, you catch us and lift us up when we fall. When our spirits are low, your spirit gives us encouragement. When we hunger for your presence, you fill our needs. When we sin and stray from your paths, you call us to re repentance and offer us forgiveness. The cup we raise today recalls our Savior's last earthly meal and the supreme love that was revealed then. As we share this cup, let us share the inexpressible love and the indesirable peace that your spirit offers. Amen.
this week, um, our elders take communion to many of our homebound. Donna Browning, Hunter and Alita Cockrell, Ellis and Gracie Giles, Bobby Hamlet, Al and Linda Modishard, Karen Satterfield, and Betty Minetti. I ask you to join me in our commissioning of the homebound communion that is printed in your bulletin. Elders, go with God to those who are not with us, sharing with them the communion we shared in this worship hour. Let them know that they are remembered, loved, and continue to be a part of 7th Street Christian Church community. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and loving God, we marvel at the privilege of eating at Christ's table, made one with Christ in the fellowship of this meal. We know ourselves to be at one with you and your people everywhere. Help us to express Christ's hospitality to all that we meet. We pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let us stand and sing our closing hymn, Go, My Children, with my blessing found on page 431.
receive these words as you go from this place. Go forth, strengthened to do the work of Christ. Stand